When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Winning Plays podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. New edition of the Winning Plays podcast is back. Wow, do we have a lot to talk about after an epic game four of the Bucks Celtics series that is clearly nodded at two. My name is Brian Robb, bringing aboard the one and only Ryan Bernardoni at DangerCart on Twitter. Ryan, we haven't really even discussed this game at all. So I'll just, I'll just, the floor is yours right now. Where, where do you want to begin with what we uh, saw on Monday night um, on any variety of fronts? Uh, it was, it was good stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> feeling a lot better here at one thirty in the afternoon on, uh, on Tuesday than it was at about nine fifteen last night, um, partway through the third quarter. Uh, it's just, it's one of those games that feels very, I think I said afterwards, it felt like a very satisfying victory. It was a game where it felt like everything was going against them and it's this big spot and they really need to win it to, I mean, if they, right. If they had lost last night there, I have believed it for a while. I don't, I'm, I, that's why I was like to say the opposite. I, at that point, I still would not have been saying like the season is over, but the season would be real Probably close over. to being over. Uh, and so to, to come back from from the brink with that and, and like I said with a lot of things feeling like they were just going against them last night and have kind of gone against them in the series uh, to pull that win out in the way that they did to get to the point where you know with a minute left the Bucks are taking their starters out and and conceding because it's not even like they were up 10 with a minute and a half to go right like they they got it yeah. to a point where where it was almost comfortable at, at the very end um it was just very impressive. And like I said, very satisfying win. And I think everybody uh, came out of that feeling a a whole heck of a lot better than, uh, than they had through a good portion of that game. Uh, And once again, like we just see that, that these are are two good teams and that means that the Celtics are a good team. And um, that's should be a very interesting and entertaining. I was about to say last three games, but last two games because Celtics and six. (laughs) I mean, it's hard. I mean, eighty-four percent shooting in the fourth quarter. That's it's not hard bad. not to, not not that bad with with your season on the line. It's 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 something about those those game fours on those comeback game four wins on the road. Um, there have been a few of them. There have been a few of them. Some have led the championships for this uh, this franchise in the last uh, twenty years or so, and still a very very long way away from that. But it just seeing. Just a performance like that. I mean, not that there was any doubt whether this was a, a championship caliber team, you know, heading into the postseason. Obviously, there were some doubters about that 
earlier on in the season. Um, but with the, the track record this group has put together and now, you know, delivering the counter punches they need to um, time after time in that game um, as whistles and a variety of other things were going there, um, against them, um, that it just, I don't know, that, that this is a huge opportunity and now it feels like it's, they all kind of got it all back in game four. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, so no Bucks fans and probably most neutrals are going to, you know, they're going to look at this and say the Bucks haven't had Chris Middleton. And so that's the biggest factor in terms of that kind of thing. But you come into that game, you find out right before the game that Rob's not going to play. Jalen's obviously hasn't been really at 100%, I don't think. Jason's shot kind of just wandered off for three quarters. Um, there was foul trouble, obviously, for, for Jalen and, and Grant as well along the way. There were a lot of calls that seemed to be going against the Celtics, and maybe that's just, you know, fandom, glasses, whatever it might be. But you just had all those things, and it felt like it was just building up to, like, man, this just is going to be another year that slips away when it felt like there was something really there. And all that turns around in, you know, from the, the end of the third quarter when when you look and you're thinking this could have easily gotten away to be down 13 or 15 points or something like that. And just at the end, they, they pull it back to seven. And then within a few minutes of the fourth quarter, it's like, oh, it's tie game. Oh, the Celtics are leading. Oh, the Celtics aren't missing anything. <laughs> oh, they're up 10, right? Like it just swung so fast the other direction. Uh, and I think there, we could talk about like the sort of big picture stuff of the series and how it, how it's played out. But just in terms of like, how do we feel? And it's just one of those days when it's like, yes, I'm going to go read everything and listen to every podcast and, you know, let's go record one and and everything else, because um, it is just one of those sort of fun days to be a fan. If you're on the Celtic side. Yes. Thank you to the readers of masslive.com today. Yes. This is, you guys like to read about this stuff a lot more than, uh, uh, potential uh, a heartbreaking game three loss what adjustments can they make after losing isn't super popular <laughs> no that is not not a well-read take in this postseason certainly not in this series um but no i do i i wrote about this a little bit on on mass life today i almost there's three games left here but i'm not sure the bucks have a counter to what ime Udoka went to last night which is which is something he went to out of necessity, out of um, with Rob out, with Jalen in foul trouble, with Grant Williams just kind of delivering a dud on both ends of the floor last night. He just was was bad and was making bad decisions all over the place. Um, and so we saw the the fade return of a three guard lineup um, that we saw kind of shades of very early in the season, uh, but clearly was not going well back then with Peyton Pritchard prominently involved and just not shooting well and getting roasted defensively, but that playing that card kind of helped jumpstart the comeback with Al hitting everything, but the spacing on the floor really coming in and, and Marcus smart holding up against Giannis defensively for a large chunks of that run and, and just really stretching out the Bucks defense. It, it was the first time the Celtics offense really got going in this series without having to be, you know, shooting the lights out from three point range. I'm not sure if <laughs> how much credit I'm going to give to the three guard lineup. Um, or at least I mean, the down, the downsized lineup once Jalen came back into yes, like this, that the, lineup, I think I, I that's the best yeah. lineup, but even, even going to the, the smaller lineup period, I think is just might be the real revelation here. Yeah. So small ball with Jalen instead of Pritchard, right. Who right. was, I think more 
a beneficiary of circumstance and anything like he is, his shot has kind of wandered off. I, I still question whether or not they won't now because, but if they were down three, one, like, would you, would they give Neesmith a run? Because Pritchard is, you know, his shot isn't there. And at his size, like it's just a difficult series for him playing against a gigantic team. Uh, but he was plus 14 in 13 minutes last night, because as you said, like that lineup in general worked, worked really well. And a lot of this stuff is like, right. It's the magic of small sample sizes. You can, can draw a lot of conclusions. Um, for me, I think the bigger problem for the Bucks isn't that like they won't be able to find a way to counter that particular lineup. It's that like the Celtics are a better team than the Bucks <laughs> when the Bucks don't have Chris Middleton. Fair. It's not a big enough gap where you where it's like a guarantee that they'll win. I picked them in five. It's obviously not going to be five. Celtics in five. It's obviously not going to be five. Um, and they could win the next two games. The Bucks. The they. I don't know. Games. The games are close, and close games can can go one way or another. But like that's ultimately the real challenge here is that like without Chris Middleton, they can't really score, um, at least not in a particularly efficient way, uh, other than Giannis bulldozing his way to the rim and 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 scoring that way. They just don't have a way to generate the points, and that's sort of been the story of the Celtics' entire season. Once you get you know out of the, the sort of COVID period, and but even early in the year when we were talking about the really good defense early in the season, it was like what will get this team through is that they will not get blown out because they don't give up enough points to get blown out. And so their losses come in close games because those are the only games that they sort of can lose. They either blow out their opponent, win a close game or lose a close game. And that defensive solidity is keeping the games, keeping the Bucks scoring low enough where it's like, that's, I think the main problem is like, how are forget what they do to stop the Celtics when they go small or something like that. Like where can they generate efficient offense? Um, and I, they really haven't throughout the series and, and neither of the Celtics, but like, I think the Celtics have more of that in them that they can still have a game where Tatum gets really hot or, you know, Jalen and Jason both get really hot. And I just don't think the Bucks have that without Middleton where they right. can like find a way to solve that problem. Like, Even last the, night, like and, Giannis and then, 34 on 30, 34 points on 32 shots and a bunch of free throws. Like it's not enough. He's not scoring no. efficiently. Even Drew in Holiday. games. Look at Drew Holiday's line. Awful, awful shooting. I mean, he just can't score right now. Because he but, took 30 shots in game three, and I know they won game three, but like 52 shots from Drew Holiday over the course of two games is just like, okay, you, that's yeah. that's not a recipe for like a, an offensive explosion. No, he's, he's like 16 of 52 in these last two games. And no one remember that in game three because he hit the big one at the end. But by and large, that was, like you said, like just not efficient. And I guess, and it, to your point on this, like the Bucks hope in this series – like you said, based on that disparity and not being able to score offensively, it's like to, to muck it up and to hope that you can keep frustrating the Celtics offense enough. But I think what we're seeing is just going with, with Derek White finding some confidence offensively, find, you know, in delays last two games. And, and not that he needs to hit a lot of shots, but just him, you know, playing free. And so going with that lineup that we honestly thought was going to be their closing lineup like all year long, once they acquired Derek White, the smart white Brown Tatum Horford, or Rob, you know whoever is playing well better back when Rob was healthy, um, but we didn't see a ton of that because White was obviously taking his lumps and just wasn't couldn't be counted on to to be reliable offensively for large chunks of the, the second half of the season. Now that that is back in play, and White can clearly hold up defensively in a very well against this group. I just think that that group is not going to, you know, it's going to be able to score enough offensively. And then if you're, if, and if the Bucks 
and if Brooke Lopez or whoever just played off the floor there, then it's like, okay, what, you know, they just can't, they're not gonna be able to stop Tatum or whoever else um, from getting to the rim. Yeah. So obviously this, we haven't really talked about the real story of the game, which is Al Horford and, and we can go there next, but I, yeah, I he was okay. <laughs> a major part of, of what happened. And I'll say the good thing about Pritchard and what he brought yesterday um, along with Derek White is that the two of them, so two primarily you know, sort of point guard ish players play 47 minutes and don't turn the ball over at all. Yeah. And when the bucks can't score in the half court, like you saw smart throw sort of a couple of really lazy, like pick six turnovers. Right. But in general, the backcourt, took care of the ball well enough where you allow the half court defense to sort of grind down on the bucks. And so if your guards aren't turning it over, which are, you know, oftentimes live ball, open floor steals, um, then that also sort of goes a long way towards that. And so Derek white as the, as not just a player who's fitting into the defense and now made a couple of shots last game, but as just like the steady hand of like another guy who's out there, who's not going to turn the ball over, who is going to make the right decision and the right pass. While that helps your offense, it really, I think helps that again, that, that defense of just like, we are going to give up about a hundred points a game here. So if we can get to 105 or 110, we're at the very least in it or, or winning in every game. Uh, and that's not a ton of points in the modern NBA to get to, right? Like this is not the 2004 situation where you get to, 85 and you you might win like teams get to 105 110 like and if, if the bucks are having trouble getting into to triple digits in some of these games um or all these games really that's just like such a clear way for the celtics to get through this series and and then advance and again that's not the Celtics are scoring a ton but i do agree that yeah if you if you get into that Derek white um those Derek white lineups then if you can hold them to 100 and you're also playing small or 105 and you're you're playing small like you're probably going to do, do pretty well. But obviously, again, the real story of last night was Al Horford and, and what he provided. Uh, and we should probably mention that at some point here. <laughs> I, has he been, I mean, he's certainly been the most consistent Celtic this postseason. I mean, maybe honestly all season. Like, I mean, he's not the best Celtic, obviously. He was last night. Um, but now that we're getting, I mean, this was just, this was an all-world performance. 11 of 14, 5 of 7 from 3. 30 points, eight rebounds, three assists, one turnover, um, one ridiculous technical foul. And it's, this was, we've, to, to get this, I think there's a, he played 130 playoff games, right? And he'd never scored 30 points. And now he just did it. And arguably, I think what now could become like the signature win of this team season. He had never scored 30 in any game for the Celtics. Are you serious? Remarkable. I didn't even see that. Oh my God. Yeah, I think his career high was 29. Wow. Uh, as a max contract player. And you just assume <laughs> that, Oh, he's must have some 30 point games in there and everything. Right. Anybody who averages 18 or 17, whatever points a game, like they're going to have a 30 point game here and there. Right. I don't think he had ever had a 30 point game for the Celtics. Uh, and right. This is a little bit of what we're talking about is like the difference between the player that Jason Tatum is and the player that Al Horford is, which is that Horford goes for a hyper efficient, which is the part of the story there. 38 and three. And it's like, Oh my God, he was the star of the game. It's the best game that, that he's had ever. And at this point in his career, that's absolutely true. Tatum goes 30, 13 and five. And it's like, Oh yeah, that's just who Jason Tatum is. Right. Like that's the difference between them where you can say Al Horford has been the most steady player, but like the best player on the team, the most important player yeah, on the team the no, player gets no... there is Jason Tatum, right. but you always need somebody else to come with you. And with Jalen, like I said, I don't think a hundred percent, but also in 
somewhat ridiculous foul trouble for some of the calls that went against them. You, they needed somebody else. And, you know, Smart as well played well in, in the second half and, and scored some really big baskets in the fourth. But mostly it was Al who was saying, like, I'm going to get you across the line tonight in this, this game that's really critical for the season. Uh, and it's, it's just like, how, right? How does, how does he pull that? How does he, he pulled it off at 35? Uh, and it's, some of it is like one game guys can have, can have one game, but it was like such a, a, an exceptional game in that moment, playing the way that he plays um, and really not going outside what he wants to do. Like he didn't take, he didn't suddenly go off and take 25 shots being like, I'm going to be the star of this game and, and save it. It was just a, a really efficient offensive and defensive night um, that, got the team through through a tough spot um and i like he's not going to do this every night right he can't that again that's the difference like tatum can score 30 every night al horford is not going to set a career high every single night but like this matchup and frankly the next round if they make it that far with either opponent he's just such an important player um basically irreplaceable to the to the team um and so at the end of this very good season to be having games like this and getting the spotlight is i think a nice you know, just sort of a nice thing to see as well to remind everybody like, yeah, this guy is kind of a borderline hall of famer. <laughs> um, and yeah, you may have forgotten him for a few years, but, but he's back and he's here and he's doing what he did for the Celtics last time around in the playoffs, which is look like a, no, he's been a critical player. I think this is, this is, he's been better. Like, I think this is his best postseason as a Celtic. Um, he was really good in the playoffs. He was his first time. Around he was really good in 2018, but even in, I mean, we'll see. I mean, this isn't over. I, I think by the end of this run, it's going to be the best because he didn't have games like, I mean, I think he's already had three, like game one against the Nets, like 20 and 15, game three against the Bucks, 22 and 16. And then last night, like 30, like he just, the, the, the rebounding, the, the lack of turnovers, he has like, I think seven total turnovers in this series in 282 minutes, which is incredible given how much, you know, he's, you know, He's touching the ball a lot in this series and 53% from three point range um, on like five attempts per game, essentially like this is. And the against these other runs in 2017, 2018, I feel like he would run into Tristan Thompson and that would be kind of his kryptonite um, a little bit in terms of production and rebounding, but I don't, I don't know mean, what I could say, but the real kryptonite there was that he was I mean, LeBron, LeBron, yeah, LeBron James <laughs> is the real kryptonite, but like the rebounding the kryptonite, like the, Tristan Thompson would always have 15 rebounds on him or something like that. And I'd be like, oh, poor Al. Uh, but now this is, I don't know, like there's, there just doesn't appear to be, I mean, BM out of bio, obviously, or, you know, you're going to have two monsters either way, whoever you get next round to, to test them. Um, but you're, you're passing a pretty big test right now against a, a pair of really impressive guys in, in, Phil, in, uh, in Milwaukee. Yeah. And it was just so fun watching yesterday to, to see the emotional outbursts that he had and, <laughs> And, and all that did, did he may really say in his press conference, like we can get him an open three point shot whenever we want because of the way they defend. <laughs> did Pretty that, much. Did that actually happen? I think uh, that's a little honesty. Um, yeah. You know, when we, we talked, um, I think, I don't even remember what series it was last year, two years ago. I don't know. It's, you know, we've talked about, Oh, you can play Brooke Lopez off the floor and things like that before in some of these series. And it's like, you really can't, they, they do those players do too many things. And, and Brooke had his moments last night um, with some interesting alley-oops and, and things like that and, and he didn't play poorly uh, and Giannis certainly got what he got although again, again not super efficiently but it's just like to have a, a two-way player who can stick with everybody from you know can switch out when he needs to can take his his uh his possessions on Kevin Durant 
can guard Giannis, can fight with Lopez and next round, if they get that far, there's, you know, in, in both of those cases, uh, whether it's Bam or, or Embiid and the, the other players they have around, like, you just look at them and be like, oh, yeah, Al Horford, an enormous part of our strategic setup for those series. And um, I, I don't know. The, I don't know how you replace him um, down the line, but hopefully they can hang a banner here with him. And <laughs> all, thing, all things from there look, look amazing. Because at 35, I, I just I don't know how long it continue, but there seem, he doesn't seem to be slowing down uh, really at all. I mean, 42 minutes last night as well. I mean, you mentioned a couple of times how many minutes he's played. He's, it's just, and he didn't look tired at the end of the game. Everybody looked oh. tired at the end of the game, but like Giannis is laying on the floor holding Marcus Smart <laughs> down because he doesn't want to run back down. And there's Horford making the plays at the very end of the game still, uh, you know, having logged all those minutes. It's just, it's just something to see. Every single big shot, like anytime it looked like they're going to go down by, you know, 14, 15, whatever. Like it seemed like he always just hit a shot or two right after that. And like I said, they just, they've been between that and the defense, they just never fell into a very deep hole. And that kept them within striking distance. And then thanks to Horford and Tatum and even smart, you know, who smart came up really good in the fourth real, Like really good in the fourth. I mean, he was, yeah. that was, you know, he got no real hub after that game. Um, on a national stage, but eight of 13, 18 points, eight assists, two of three from three, just uh, a huge bounce back from a, a rough game three for him. And the two post plays at the end, I think get a little bit, you know, get more of the focus because of how sort of well managed those possessions were, where it's like, Oh, we're going to take 20 seconds off the clock. And then we're going to get the shot at the very end. But the three he hit at the beginning of the fourth was probably a bigger shot than, than those yes. because of just the position that they were in. Uh, and it, he just, again, like he had those, pretty two kind of ugly turnovers along the way. Um, but other than that, it was just very solid. Uh, what you would, what you need from when you have he and, and white out there of like, yeah, they made enough shots and then everything else just sort of falls in place around that because of the type of players they are. And I don't know, it's nice that we're able to be talking about a win and all these positive things, because had they lost that game, I think we would be not just talking about like what it means for the season and how does it color things, but like we would, or I would anyway, basically be grousing about officiating today. And who wants that really? Like that's, you know, that's never, whenever you're doing that, it means that you're in kind of a dark place in terms of what <laughs> you're feeling about the team. And so again, it just felt like a, a game where they, where they overcame a lot, even if the neutrals, the, whatever the Bucks fans probably look at it, maybe look at it a different way and say like, well, they don't have Chris Middleton. And, but it's like, you were on the road without Rob Williams and you had a lot of calls that seemed to go against you. And you had these, those calls re- resulted in, I think, the team getting sort of out of kilter and not playing the way they wanted to. And with Jalen in foul trouble and all these things. And then you can just wipe all of it away and be like, boy, Al Horford and Marcus Smart and Derek White and Jason Tatum and Peyton Pritchard when he, you know, when he had to, when his number got called and Jalen in the fourth quarter with the run out uh, dunk and then uh, telling Giannis not to touch him and all like everybody <laughs> in that group sort of had their moments at the end. And it's just like, this is, so much more fun and so much better um, than, than what it could have been. And, and you can now, I mean, you look at it and you say it's two, two and it's two, two where it could be three, one Celtics by, you know, a couple of open threes at the end of game three, a tip in that goes in three seconds, you know, three tenths of a second after the the buzzer to, to tie it up, like all that stuff. It's, it's really 
I think an even series that probably the Celtics have been shaded, you know, shaded as, as being a little bit of a better team to this point, even if it feels like they're always chasing it because of being down 1-0 and being down 2-1 and having these fourth quarter comebacks in the last games, it feels like the Celtics are always chasing and are always behind it. But in the end, through four games, I think the Celtics have been a little bit of a better team. And now you can look forward and say like, and the Bucks gifted them home court advantage. Uh, and if it goes to seven, it's home court advantage does, isn't super important throughout most of the series. Historically, home court advantage in game seven has been very important. And it, you know, I say Celtics in six, but it feels a little bit like the narrative of this series coming in with the Bucks making that decision and the Celtics having to choose between the two seed or the four and all of that coming to a head with like, and because of the decisions that these two franchises made, game seven happens in Boston. It feels almost like that has to happen now as part <laughs> of the story. Uh, and, and that'll just be such a, it'll be nerve wracking and miserable all the way through. But um, it has such a, you know, opportunity to be like an event game, even in the second round. Uh, I, again, your mass live readers, I, I think will enjoy that if we get to that point. No, it's, well, you're either getting that or you're getting game one on Sunday. Um, it seems like. Well, is the other series going to go seven now? Well, I guess, yeah, that's true. So that's a. You may if, have a break. We may have a slight break, but if all those series wraps up in six, if this series and then Heat, Sixers, and Sun Mass, but who knows? Like those those series look like they could be destined for, for seven two at this point, based on just how um, how much of dog fights both of those have been and the other injury subplots and all those. But we'll be on top of it either way. But Ryan, as always, thanks for hopping on for some um, enjoyable non ref talk um after this one all right let's first hear from our sponsor bet online um they continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info you can find all the latest sports developments odds on these playoff series and even some of the next season's future throughout the nba postseason baseball is also back so you can check out the start of the major league baseball season and the full mlb odds on there on a nightly basis so it's you can do it for that. You can check out live betting on all your Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to join. Use the promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online. It's where the game starts. All right. Joining us now again from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Suichi Tirada of MassLive.com. Suichi, we're bringing in here. You just you saw it firsthand live, but you just had some fresh eyes in this game. You just rewatched the entire <laughs> magical fourth quarter of Game Four. What what stood out to you most? What stood out to you? You know, beyond the obvious stuff. You know, I, the stuff everyone's talking about today is what it is. But what were there some subtle things that you know caught your eye on the on the second look here? Yeah, I think. The number one thing, and, and I'm, I'm going to write about this on MassLive.com, so I don't, want, I don't want to spoil everything, but with around five minutes left, the Horford hook shot, or whatever it was, um, with around five minutes left, it was an and one play, and then people will probably remember that play for like when Marcus and Giannis were down, and Marcus said he got hit in the yeah. face and everything. Yep. Um, I thought that play was huge, because one, it, it, put, the, it, it put the Celtics up, like, Horford pretty much, you know, he, he kind of hit this gut punch three-point play. But two, right after that, uh, Giannis needed a break. So he, he sat on the bench, and he looked exhausted, right? Like, we, we kept talking about this in, after, you know, in the late, later parts of game three and four. It, 
Celtics are, are grinding this dude down. I thought that was a big play, but I thought the subtle moment about that was actually uh, Mike Budenholzer. Like he subbed in George Hill for Giannis in that play, and and we saw Tatum go <laughs> right at George Hill on multiple possessions, right? Like the and one, um, the scoop shot, all, all these things. Like the rest of the quarter, and when Giannis, it was it was a quick break for Giannis. Obviously, like there's only five minutes left, and the team is down. Like he can only rest for so much, right? But when Giannis came back in, I think Connaughton like hurt his left hand or something. So like the Bucks are kind of forced to go to like George Hill. And then, you know, I remember B-Rob, I think at the end of the game, or, or I don't know if it was you, but somebody was like, why is George Hill in this game? Like, why, <laughs> yeah. why are the Bucks going with this? And, and that was kind of part of the reason, right? Like Connaughton, I, I, you know, I guess came out and everything in the Celtics. I thought that was like a big subtle play in the sense of like one, the Celtics like really made Giannis tired, but two, like George Hill came on the court and, and Tatum four switches on Hill, like he he kept attacking him and that. And I obviously Horford's thirty point uh, performance helped help space the floor and kept you know things open for Tatum. But I thought that was kind of like a low key thing, you know, kind of in the madness. That looking back, I was like, whoa, this was kind of like a big deal, uh, you know. And, and Marcus went at Drew Holiday and all those things. But I, I thought right around that five minute mark, like it was still anybody's game at that point, and the Celtics just shut the door on on the Bucks and. That was kind of the fruits of their effort for the whole game that, that I thought was, uh, you know, like I said, like a subtle thing that kind of popped out to me. Yeah, that's a kick. Because in the, in the heat of the moment, you don't really figure out, like, you know, what's going on in terms of, like, subs and stuff like that as closely until you go mm-hmm. back, look back at it. But, yeah, the, to your point about Giannis, for, I mean, that was like a one-point game at that point. For, for mm-hmm. him to have to come out of that, yeah. looking back at it now, it's like two things. One – it's like, I'm shocked that Bud doesn't take a timeout there. Like, if Giannis mm-hmm. has come out, like, you, like obviously, he, you probably look at it again. Like, you probably – I think they had well, an extra timeout to use. Yeah. And But he well, tried so they, to steal a minute. Yeah, so they did take a timeout after the Horford. And there was a stopping in play after the Horford and one. Um, yeah. But to your point, it was it was a one-point Celtics lead. Um, and I have this written down. Um, or, yeah, so – but they, there was a stoppage in time um, and everything like that. So, he did try to get – and to me, that, that was kind of significant because they like, like Giannis could sit for a few minutes and he still needed like that. Right. That's wild. Then. Time, like, that's almost know? an indictment on Giannis. I mean, like, <laughs> you, and I guess, I mean, this is probably why they play him 33, 34 minutes in the regular season because mm-hmm. they figured like he can't, like, he gets gassed. And I guess that's mm-hmm. what happens with big guys. Like, we see it with him beat all the time um, in past postseasons. And now it's especially, I mean, and you, it's, at one point, Horn, you're like, oh, man, Giannis, you got to have it. But then the other time, you're like, okay, he's he's putting up 30-plus shots a game now and, like, doing everything mm-hmm. for this team. So, yeah, it's, it's it's understandable he would be pretty gassed. Yeah, so so let me just clarify. So, Horf, so Celtics led by one, and then the whole Marcus-Giannis thing happens. And then mm-hmm. Horford hits the hook shot to put them up three, and it's an and one. So right. the Celtics actually took a timeout, and then that's when uh, Giannis came in, uh, came out for George Hill. Right. And it was a four-point Celtics lead. So – that's kind of the crazy thing. Like the Celtics are up four. There's only five minutes left in the game, like in a crucial game for <laughs> that. You know, like it doesn't right. Like we kept talking about how much of a swing game this was, and then Giannis had to come out because he was that gas. And like, I mean, if you like, obviously, like the you know, like Marcus said, he got hit in the face by Giannis's leg or whatever. Like, if you look at the replay, I think that was. I don't think it was like intentional. Like, I think part of it was like, I think like Marcus is a leg when he was moving it up or something like led to Giannis hitting him in the face or whatever. Like, I don't think it was intentional, but like, I don't know what Giannis was doing, but he looked gas. Like he had no intention of running back on, <laughs> on defense. And I think that was kind of the point, right? Like he didn't want Marcus to go back either. And right. 
it didn't matter because Horford hit this huge hook shot that pretty much kind of put the Celtics on top for final time. So, like, it, it there was a lot of madness, I think, but that was, like, the one moment in the fourth quarter that I, you know, looking back, I was like, whoa, like, this, this was kind of, like, there was a lot happening here, you know? There was a lot happening in the fourth quarter in general, but between the substitutions and what ended up happening in the rest of the game, I, I was kind of surprised that uh, the Bucks, you know, didn't take it at George Hill. Ime was asked about it, obviously, and, and it was a funny moment, but it, <laughs> it, it was so, to me, I was so, like, I was so a little surprised uh, by the end of it and, and all the substitutions and all that madness. Yeah, it, it's funny now, like, George Hill in the 2019 playoffs absolutely, like, murdered the Celtics in that series in the second round. Um, mm-hmm. Went, like, straight up like outplayed Kyrie Irving and the, would have the Bucks like putting up big runs when Giannis was on the bench. George Hill three years later is, you know, not fully washed, but certainly not someone coming off of an injury that you would expect. You can see obviously yeah. Bud trusts him a lot to be like, okay, George Hill's back. We're going to throw him in to these pivotal moments, but it's just, I don't know. Like he just like Tatum was just foaming at the mouth. <laughs> when he got to stay out there, when when content and out, but I guess that was the point of like how the Celtics kind of played this game down the stretch, and they went small. Um, Brooke Lopez pretty much played Brooke Lopez off the floor to the point where the Bucks had to go small. They felt like to match up, and then that's when Tatum and and Smart kind of had their way late after Horford kind of set the table for them early in the quarter. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, Horford kind of said it after the game, like, Marcus's impact was very well seen, but I thought he had a few, couple of huge plays, you know, it wasn't just offense, like, the charge he took on Giannis late in the game, like, I thought that was kind of, like, the moment where the Bucks were like, okay, like, this this might not happen, you know, because for the Bucks credit, like, and, and I'll write about this, and, and you can read about this more on MassLive.com, and my, my thoughts will be formulated a little bit more, but, like, I thought the Bucks did a very good job like really digging deep because there were multiple, like when the Celtics had it at 80 on a Horford dunk, or I guess 81 after the free throws, like it was anybody's game. And like the Celtics had all the momentum, but the Bucks kept like, they kept punching back. Like they threw haymakers multiple times. It's just that the Celtics had Al Horford hitting everything in the fourth quarter. And they had also had Jason Tatum finally starting to heat up. Like the Celtics had to, like, this was no kick. Like this was no walk in the park in the fourth quarter. I thought, and I, and I think that's what was most impressive from both teams. Like, like, we, we keep talking about how, how tired Giannis was, and we keep talking about how impressive, like, Celtics were. But, like, both teams really show, like, some ch- like in my opinion, like, some championship-level basketball. And this is still, like, the second round. And right. that's the crazy part, too, right? Like, we saw great execution, great basketball in the first round. That was very grimy, grindy. And then Celtics have another series like that against the defending chaps. So, um, I, you know, I just think the Celtics, like, they keep showing the resiliency and not just in game four. We saw it in game three, too, with, with them. And it, I, I think that's, like, one of the most important parts for the Celtics because, like, you know, from here on out, like, if they match up against the Heat and if they make it to the finals, like, they're not going to have home court advantage. Uh, we talked about that last night after the game. And, and so being able to take care of it on the road, I thought, in game four, you know, they were 0 for 3 FIs here for them, uh, you know, regular season posts and combined and taking care of business on – on Monday, I thought was a big deal just because obviously it's a crucial swing game, but just good for the vibes, I think, especially after that third quarter. Yeah, Jason Tatum even, you know, in a, his post-game interview on the radio after the game, like he admitted as much like that was that was our season mm-hmm. to everything you just said there. And they, like, because you're just not, even if you have home court, you're not coming back from 3-1 against Giannis. Like, it's just yeah. not, like, you can't count on him having 
duds in three straight games and mm-hmm. you know the shooting luck to, to go your way in three straight games it's possible of course but you just you, you can't realistically count on it and who knows again like the chris middleton factor in this series now he might be looming in the background for for one of those games too if it, if it was go to six or seven now so they're in a situation where they can take care of business back in boston and have given themselves mm-hmm. two shots to to close this thing out we had we had the we did the old confidence meter in our last pod this week, Suichi. Um, I think you were at a, a five or a six, if I remember correctly, at that point about the Celtics chances mm-hmm. series. How how far up has that boosted now? Is this is this series not done, but are you how shocked would you be if, if the Bucks find a way to, to pull this thing out after losing letting that slip away? I don't know about shock just because these are the Bucks, right? Like and I think the most impressive thing the Bucks did last season, quite bluntly, was that when they went down, I believe, 3-2 to the Nets in the second round. And you you heard it all, right? Like, I remember, like, <laughs> True. I heard, right? I heard um, I heard uh, from, from down the grapevine or whatever, like, Rick Carlisle was, like, a very real possibility to replace Bud when they were down 3-2 in the series. And then next thing you know, they're hoisting the trophy, right? right. Like, <laughs> and, and sure, sure, sure. W- were they, were they kind of lucky in terms of injuries and all that? Like, absolutely, right? But this is... Like it's hard to win in the NBA. It's hard to win a title. It should get all the props in the world. And the Bucks keep showing like how how mentally resilient of a team they are too, much like the Celtics. So I wouldn't be shocked, right? I, I still think, and I and I told a lot of people this before the game, and you too, B Rob, I think. Like I thought it was Bucks and six if they won game four, whereas I thought it would probably go Celtics and seven if, if the Celtics won game four. So I think I would in terms of like the confidence meter, I think it would still be at a seven to eight, like right like this is the playoffs like if it does go seven you just don't know what Giannis is going to do he might drop 60 points on you know good efficiency in game seven even if it's on the road right like that's that's what happens when you have one of the best and arguably the best player in the world like so I I obviously if you're a Celtics fan you feel a lot more confident right but um you're not going to get you know vintage Al Horford every game but at the same time you hope you hope for a little bit more from Jalen and Jason and then I think you are cautiously optimistic about Rob, you know, like we haven't talked about Rob yet and his left knee soreness, but he wasn't giving you too much, but I thought even just having an extra body that you can at least count on for 20 minutes was huge just because we saw last night with foul trouble and how much that can muck things up, you know, like I, you know, I thought it was, Al- was not the night for my guy, Daniel Tice. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, like I, I just thought there were a few possessions where Al clearly, um, you know, like couldn't go as hard as he wanted to on defense because yeah. he already had three fouls and he didn't want to pick up that fourth one. Like I thought it was clear, like Giannis kept attacking him in the third. And I was like, I don't know what you want Horford to do. Like, especially as we saw, like he may went small to close the lineup and they really need Horford out there. Like he could not pick up that fourth foul. So I think, but, but to answer your question, I think you feel good, cautiously optimistic, but you are still going up against, you know, in my opinion, the best player in the world right now. So you, you never know what will happen. It's, it feels like it's been, you know, this is like your, like the conference finals or the NBA for this. And I don't know, like, it feels like the series has already gone six games. I would mm-hmm. like the way that this has kind of played out, just the, the amount of drama that has been on both sides in a lot of these matchups already. But the Rob Williams subplot is going to be fascinating to me in this series now because it's, it's not a long break anymore. It's every other day. Mm-hmm. And so not only if you're the Celtics, you're obviously, you're thinking about, you know, you want to win immediately, but you also be like, oh, we don't want to sideline Rob for potentially a lot much longer stretch of the postseason here if we're able yeah. to get past the Bucks. So the balance, the the risk reward of that situation 
and looking at, again on terms of how if they think they can get away with you know, not having him for another game or two in this series um, mm. with kind of a long view in mind, if that's ended up being like, Hey, versus, you know, this is the lineup. If we can go smaller anyway, now we know we can do that. Like maybe we can let Rob rest up a little more than we would have obviously if we went down three, one. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, I, like obviously Graham Williams was pretty bad yesterday. Right. So I, I think you'll get a better grant just because yeah. it wasn't just that he wasn't hitting shots. Like I thought, his defense was just kind of haphazard. Like he was, he was, he was, he was not was, happy. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was just like, it was just like all the things too, which was just like, not just, you know, right. Like this is Grant's kind of breakout season. So there's not much of a track record to be like, yeah, you know, he's been doing this forever, but it's just like, I, I just think he'll be better just in, just in terms of like just small time things like decision-making. Right. Like I remember I looked up and I'm like, Grant has two turnovers and we're like six minutes into this game. Like this, this is not, you know, like in your role, you should not even have like, you know, one turnover is bad, much less two, especially because the Celtics are horrible to start the game. So, but I, I, you know, I, I still think the Celtics, right. And the Bucks can say this too, in a lot of ways, like, I still think this series, like with three games left, like I, I, I personally think like there's still one vintage Tatum game and one vintage Giannis game still in the work. So I, I'm curious, like, I'm hoping it's, it's in the same game and like game seven or something. And, and we got some incredible basketball. Um, but uh, the one thing I, I, I want to add is just the sheer amount of bodies hitting the floor every possession it feels like is just ridiculous like <laughs> I want somebody to do like an unofficial count of like how many bodies hit the floor per possession and I bet it's like one of that you know unofficially 1.5 like, <laughs> yeah something crazy right like playoff record or something if, if those stats were counted I feel like it, it, it's just it's just ridiculous out there I think it's madness it's coming back to Boston <laughs> for game five on Wednesday night Suichi, you will be there at the Garden. Make sure you're following him on Twitter at Suichi Tirada, S-O-U-I-C-H-I Tirada. And he'll have a great piece coming up on Mass Live too, just breaking down those, those important subtle moments we saw in that fourth quarter that uh, ultimately helped pretty be different. So uh, that's it for us. We'll be back with you guys later this week. And Suichi, thanks for coming on. Yeah, of course. Thanks.